0: faculty are seeing that they're able to create experiences that are, are equal to what they were doing in the classroom. And, you know, sometimes even even better, given the opportunity to quickly move students around since they're not physically moving or to get some of that insight that, you know, especially in larger classes, you can't really get on all students at the same time, but you can in, in a digital setting.
1: I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with our special guest co-host, Mike Jones. Hi, Mike.
2: Hello, Tiffany. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, thanks for being back. And this is part two of a two-part series we have with Adrina Parisi-Aman. Welcome back, Adrina. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back. Glad to have you back. For all of our listeners, if you forgot to listen to the first episode or missed it, you can catch it on your favorite podcast provider, you can also access additional resources on our website, digitaltolearn.com, and that's miracle too. For now, we're going to continue the conversation with Adrena.
2: We are in a different era. I think we're all trying to learn still you know, how to navigate this online virtual space in that era of virtual meetings and collaboration tools. Tell us about the team behind Engagely and the space in which Engagely works its magic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to do that. So Engagely is a a digital classroom and it was launched in October of 2020 with the goal of really having a education focused solution for distance learning during the pandemic. So in terms of how it started Daphne, who I worked with at Coursera, her husband, Dan, who was also involved there. They have two daughters in high school and college and quickly saw how the, the mediums that were available to them in, in the moment were not really grabbing their attention. There was a lot of other things that were going on while while classes were going on. And they're like, there there has to be a better way than this kind of press fit of business tools into the education space. So together with Flurge Plotkin, who is also a faculty member from Stanford in computer science, leading up the, the engineering side of the team, they came together to build that vision that they had from the ground up. And so the goal here in Engagely is that we're building a collaborative video-based teaching platform, you know, really influenced by educators designed by folks that have been in the classroom and so are are able to to empathize and sympathize on on both sides of the the teaching and learning component and really designed for active and collaborative learning. So to the point that that you were making before, Mike, around this iterative learning or seeing the application that takes place, that type of of applied and active learning is much tougher to do in a more kind of conferencing type of of medium, whereas in, you know, what used to happen in the physical classroom and what can happen in an engaging digital classroom around having students in groups and in tables such that they're collaborating live while also being part of this larger classroom really changes the dynamic of what is possible in the digital learning space.
2: When you say virtual classroom, I work in extended reality, so my mind goes to like a VR headset kind of thing, but that's not quite what we're talking about here. Can you explain a little bit what you mean by virtual classroom?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, no, we're not there yet with the, with the digital headsets and in part really <laughs> wanting to focus on accessibility for, for all to be able to come in. But a place right now where live synchronous learning can take place. So, you know, you have the, the educator, you have all the learners, but built all on the foundation of table group so you come in you select a table you want to sit at conversations that are taking place at the table stay within the table and so you can in this virtual setting still kind of lean over if you will and ask your neighbor oh did you catch what the professor just said, did you understand that? And then once you have a couple of people that didn't quite understand what was going on, there's a lot more coming back to the sense of courage, right? There's a lot more comfort in raising your hand and being like, could you repeat that real quick and explain? So bringing back that kind of natural feeling of, of being together in this learning experience as opposed to each in our, our own box on the screen is, is one really important component of this digital classroom. And then also bringing into that the ability to have people collaborate more extensively. So whether it's through collaborative documents or whiteboard settings, as well as not just in the class time, but beyond that particular class period, students being able to come in, access you know the notes that they took, the recording of the class, continue the, the work that they were doing together in that space. Very
2: cool.
1: So Adrena, for those who are in higher ed and are currently using a learning management system combined sometimes with a platform like Zoom, where does Engagely fit in? Is it, you know, do you kind of embed it within your LMS? Is it separate than the LMS in place of the LMS? Same thing with Zoom. Um, Where do you see that that niche?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. On the LMS question, I think that really depends on how you're using it with your with your students with your learners. So, Engagely can integrate into the LMS such that you know when students go in there to re- get into their their class, they simply click on their Engagely classroom link and go into their classroom. So, integrates with but does not replace. In terms of something like Zoom or or any other way in which the Kind of video lecture part of classes are currently happening, this would be an evolution or a replacement of Mm -hmm. that system in that the things that you are doing there, you can still do, can do. in Engagely. You can jump in, you can share slides, you can present to your learners but then you also have a much richer set of tools specifically from the learning side. So in this particular type of classroom you've got a number of engagement both modalities as well as data on how students are engaging mm-hmm. that you can see in real time in terms of you know who do you want to try and bring out of their shell, who might need a little a bit more support, which group might need extra attention, but also that can be analyzed afterwards to say, okay, there were a lot of questions that popped up after I shared this concept. Maybe that's something that needs hmm. clarification, or this got a lot of people talking in their groups. Maybe we expand out that exercise. So the ability really to, to optimize that yeah. learning experience. And then, you know, the, the other piece that, that I think about a lot here is there is a a spectrum, if you will, of kind of co-localization and and flexibility. And so often we talk in kind of being at one end of the spectrum of or the other, right? Like people are in the same place at the same time, whether that's in the same virtual place or the same physical place, or we're talking about things that are being done totally asynchronously. And I Mm -hmm. I would say that there's actually really a spectrum of this that is valuable, that allows for flexibility while also building the community that we know can, can really motivate and support learning. And so I think there is you know, a time or an experience where you will be able to continue to do more and engage the so do more in the after live study hall rooms where they can, where learners can access material and, and do some of that learning on their own or in groups, but without necessarily the instructor being there to, to guide it live, that will continue to open the boundaries of what flexible learning looks like.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it's a little more to use the academic term, socially present than, say, a Zoom where it's a scheduled meeting. When that's done, it's done. Uh, Maybe there's a recording that comes later through a link. This sounds much more interactive.
0: Absolutely. Yep. And that is that is the goal. And I think one key thing to remember with all of this is that technology in and of itself is never going to be the solution. Mm-hmm. It can enable and really open the doors for the type of, of teaching experiences and learning experiences that we want to create. And so there are you know outstanding educators out there that have pulled together in particular over this past year, but even before, right, doing something in Zoom and then bringing in another tool for collaboration and another tool to gather data and another, and so they've had to be these aggregators. Yeah. Uh, to to create that experience, and so here what you have is cause. Engagely was built with education as its purpose. It brings all of those pieces together and allows the educator to focus on that education piece and the learning that they're trying to to bring and guide their students into, instead of the the cobbling together of technologies. But it, it really is still at the crux of the educator to, to bring that experience to life and to the learners to come in and, and make it theirs. Really cool.
1: And it sounds like a perfect fit for, I think, about some of our, our past uh, podcast guests just in the past six months, the needs that um, these individuals have shared about. It just seems like this is an answer for so many of those needs. What has the response been like since the launch last October? Yeah, it's been great. Uh,
0: We've had, you know, both in the U.S. and really internationally, a number of institutions that are Implementing it with their learners, with their educators. We've had on the learning and teaching side a lot of fun working with some to support their faculty as they get used to a new tool. And then also as some are rethinking now with the opportunities afforded to them in terms of collaboration, even without having their students all together in the classroom, bringing back some of those activities that they had been doing in their classroom in the past. And so, you know, faculty are seeing that. They're able to create experiences that are are equal to what they were doing in the classroom. And, you know, sometimes even even better, given the opportunity to quickly move students around since they're not physically moving or to get some of that insight that, you know, especially in larger classes, you can't really get on all students at the same time. But you can in in a digital setting.
2: You mentioned Sergey. One of your coworkers there a little bit earlier, you guys just published an article on the next era of teaching and learning. And in that, one of the things you said was there's three critical considerations about implementing these types of digital tools. And you said one of them was decreasing faculty overhead. That really kind of speaks to that. If if you can give a faculty member a one tool, not to rule them all, but you know what I mean, that simplifies that. So I think that's definitely allows that. And you also mentioned equitable classrooms. And it sounds like this might be browser-based or is it tool-based? Can you speak a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it is fully browser-based on the learner side. And in the upcoming month or 2 we'll also be fully browser-based on the instructor side. And so mm-hmm. a huge focus on the ability for you know low-powered machines or areas of low bandwidth for students to still be able to to be full participants in that classroom experience and to not be held back by technology. Or as we think of of accessibility um, kind of even more broadly than than just geographic or technological challenges, but the fact that there are multi- modalities in which students can engage if they have a preference for speaking and raising their hand and reaching out to everyone, or if they prefer to do it in written form. There's a whole chat feature with all of the different levels of who you can be interacting via chat, and then also a Q&A section where you can post anonymously. And so it creates a really safe space for learning, as well as an accessible space irrespective of what challenges to that access to the classroom you might have.
2: That's very cool. One of the guests at the Slate conference was talking about the use of virtual machines. And an old career hat of mine was a chief information officer, <laughs> and we rolled out virtual machines. So basically, have dumb terminals, they're just really low level. They almost only give you a browser, but they connect to a supercomputer that allows mm-hmm. students to access no matter it doesn't matter the tool because that supercomputer mm-hmm. can handle it all through their interface this sounds like a, a really cool interface for something like engagely too
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah lots of expansion potential and, and different ways
1: that it can be used for sure
2: very cool thanks for sharing that
1: In the past year, it has been commonplace for us to make our final question for the podcast guest be a question of predictions for the future of higher ed. But actually, just before we logged in today, uh, Mike made a good point. We had a we had a former podcast guest, Brian Alexander, He's a self-proclaimed and globally recognized. I'll just put it that way. Futurist. And uh, he describes it a bit differently. Mike, you might have to help me out. I believe it's the um, possible futures. Is that how he describes it?
2: One of the possible futures.
1: Yeah. One of the possible futures. So I we think we're going to start adapting that and, and crediting him. But uh, when you think about the future of higher ed, can you speak to, you know, ideas or thoughts that you've had about one of the possible futures that you can see coming to fruition?
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, one of the fun parts of my job in that I, I sit <laughs> right between like, the partnership side and the product side right so working closely with partners mm-hmm. who are implementing what we have today and helping them you know get the best out of it and then working closely with the engineers to say okay but what is it that we need to be building tomorrow and for you know the creation of, yeah. of one of those possible futures and what i envision or or what i really am excited about goes back to this idea we were talking about before of the range of flexibility yeah. in learning And so, you know, there is a lot of richness and value in being part of a learning community and, you know, when possible, meeting those people in in person, in particular in the U.S. as we think about what is the Kind of value and culture of, of often that first time moving away from home and being part of a, a college community and that growth experience that will continue to be true for a long time. But what we've seen with a lot of the move in, in online education is that as we move away from what was emergency online teaching into a more thoughtful and intentional online learning environment, there can be a really rich interplay between the in-person and the virtual that allows for connections across more people, flexibility in, you know, whatever else might be going on in your life that allows or does not allow you to be part of the physical classroom, but that still allows you to be a full member of That class. And so, the more that we're able to expand that out and provide a clear bridge across all of the, all the way from fully asynchronous and doing something on your own to fully live and synchronous um, and everything in between, I think would just lead to a much richer learning experience for everyone involved.
1: I hope so. I would love to see this play out. (laughs) You and me both.
2: I expect we're going to need to have Andrina back just to talk about tips and leadership, or for leadership coming out of yeah. school and going into real life. I think that would make an, an incredible podcast all in
0: itself. So we'd we'll be happy to. It will be my pleasure.
1: Me too. And um, the relationship—I think there needs to be—to more dialogue about the relationship between ed tech right now and the role of the faculty member. That's really been on my heart lately. So if you're a faculty member and you do feel you know, called and confident about your role there. How do you best, you serve your students, but how can you um, best lean in to the ed tech world and connect with and collaborate and be forward thinking. And I hate to say not threatened, but I'm just going to say that, not threatened by kind of that community. And, you know, you've had so many different roles. Um, Andrina, I think you would be really great to, to speak on something like along those lines too.
0: Yeah, I would be happy to and, and also excited to hear from, you know, some of those current faculty members in terms of what is missing from the ed tech side that you're yeah. not doing or could be doing better because we really do, you know, want it and see it as as a partnership, our our goal is to be providing tools that are supporting the work that they're doing in the classroom, whichever classroom that may be, you know, physical (laughs) or virtual, but we are we are just a tool and we want to be a great tool that elevates their what they're trying to do, but it it will never be up to just us. And so we'd love to hear from your your listeners as well.
2: What what's a good way to do that? Because let's say we have billions of faculty members listening to this podcast right now. (laughs) How should they reach out and give you that kind of feedback?
0: Well, I am always happy to receive an email. They can comfortably reach out to me and happy to have that conversation. So I'm happy to share email here or in the in the show notes. I'm yeah. also on LinkedIn and Twitter. So perfect. You tell me what is best for your folks.
1: Adrienne is so responsive. <laughs> it is wonderful. We will definitely, uh, if that's okay with you, we will link to everything that we referred to that we can link to. We'll put in the show notes, uh, including the LinkedIn handle for Adrena. But first, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm excited for conversations to come. Yeah. And Mike, thank you for joining us as a guest host. Glad to. You're not new to the (laughs) podcast, but usually behind the scenes. So thank you so much.
2: It's fun to actually be able to ask my questions. I'm like, usually I just have to listen. I'm um, like, I oh, know. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. So it was a lot of fun. Oh,
1: I feel like uh, early on in the podcast journey, you know, we're at like, we're beyond 100 episodes now. But early on, Mike would, <laughs> we were all so excited about this. We still are. But uh, Mike would put in the chat, you know, some of his questions that he was thinking as the, the guest was. um talking and i feel like eventually he, he just must have given up on that because we weren't looking and we weren't asking <laughs> but really they're so good you ask great questions mike so um we're well, glad to have you on the this, this
2: side it's <laughs> been fun and it's very nice to meet you adrena
1: you as well you yeah as well. thank you for all of our listeners, as I mentioned, you can access the resources associated with this show on the Digital to Learn website, digitaltolearn.com, with a numerical two, and you can also find more resources on our LinkedIn page, Digital to Learn. Thanks, everyone, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do: one, come back and join us again; two, tell your friends about us; and three. Give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.